What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. Friday, December 20th, Cotton Bowl week. A very special edition of the podcast today. Mr. Steve Jones, voice of the Penn State Nitty Lions. We'll be joining the podcast today, but before we can get into that interview, I want to thank our sponsors at S.Y. Wilson on the historic Arlington Depot Square for their continued support of the Mitch Davis Show. For all your holiday shopping needs, go to S.Y. Wilson on the historic Arlington Depot Square. They've got you covered from SEC to Memphis to outdoors to tackle and bait. They've got you covered over there at S.Y. Wilson on the historic Arlington Depot Square. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook page at The Mitch Davis Show or shoot us an email, The Mitch Davis Show at AOL.com. Want to thank Mr. Steve Jones for coming on the podcast. Play by play guy for Penn State Nitty Lions. I am joined now by a Penn State legend, the voice of the Nitty Lions, Mr. Steve Jones. Mr. Jones, how are you doing today? Oh, it, it is a great day. It, I'm, I'm getting so ready for this Cotton Bowl. What is uh, what are your early thoughts on this matchup with the Memphis Tigers? Well, first of all, Memphis, I think, is typical of any team from the uh, group of five that makes this game. In other words, really, really good and really, really dangerous. Terrific offense. Uh, Brady White's made a big difference for them at quarterback. I mean, two terrific running backs. That would be a one gap or echelon of the Big Ten, without question. I mean, when Taylor's your alleged backup, that's pretty good. And Kelsey and Gibson are just two tremendous lineups that just know how to make big plays. So Memphis is a, a, just a really good team. Mike did a really good job with that team. I got a feeling Ryan Silverfield's going to continue it, and Memphis is going to be a factor for a long time. Let's talk a little bit about this Memphis team, and, and who do you see them maybe comparing to in the Big Ten that you guys have faced all season long? Or is this a new threat You know, with the explosive offense and, um, and the high scoring and a lot of yardage put up? Is this, is this kind of like a team you guys haven't seen all season long? Uh, no, I think there's similarities, for example, to a team like Indiana that Penn State has played. Indiana has a very similar type of attack where you've got the big receivers, like Donovan Hale and Dick Westbrook. Uh, then, you know, then yet they have a Stevie Scott at running back. Now, I, to be honest with you, the two Memphis running backs are probably better than Stevie Scott. I would say the two running backs that Penn State is going to face in this game would be probably, I would say, maybe the second and third best running backs Penn State seen this season. With all due respect, neither one's as good as J.K. Dobbins. With all due respect, well, they're probably the second and third best running back those teams Penn State faced this year. Let's talk about the uh, head man of uh, Penn State football, James Franklin's new contract. What are your thoughts on that new contract? Because I know he has been named for the Florida State job, had been mentioned other places. You know, building that future with James Franklin, let's talk about the importance behind that. Well, that's critical, and I think the number of years is critical, because when you sit down and talk with recruits, they say, you know, one thing they want to know is, my head coach going to be there the entire time? And with a six-year contract, he can now tell them in no uncertain terms, he will be there the entire time. And I think that makes a big difference in, what they're, you know, in, in how you want to recruit. It also lends stability to the program. When he got here, uh, Bill O'Brien, 
Bryant had told me during the sanction during Steve, the toughest years are going to be 14 and 15, but the numbers were way down. Well, those were the first two years James Franklin was here. So he had to inherit that and then had to build from there. What he's done has been remarkable. 41 wins in the last four years, a Big Ten championship, three New Year's six games in the last four years. So you want to keep that kind of stability that's been able to do remarkable things for you and move forward. And at some point, I think Penn State will be a team that is in the Final Four. Let's, uh, let's stay on that success of Penn State. James Franklin had to fill pretty big shoes with a, a couple legendary coaches, especially Joe Paterno at Penn State. How has he done, and how has he won over the fan base filling the shoes of Joe Paterno and filling the shoes of the legendary coaches that have come before him? Well, obviously Joe's very special. Uh, and you know, and I worked with Joe for 32 years. And, and Joe had his way of doing things. And it was a way that won four or nine games and a couple of national championships and five undefeated seasons. So Joe had his own way of doing it. But I told James a long time ago, I said, you don't have to be the next Joe Paterno. You just need to be the first James Franklin. James has to do things in his own way. And that's, that's critical. I'll, I'll give you a good example, signing day. Signing day is a big production here at Penn State. FaceTiming with each one, done on a stream, uh, made a big deal of celebration time for everybody because it's a remarkable moment for the young man and the family because it's such a major decision to make. Right? Joe, it took a long time for Joe just to put out a press release with the names on it. Right? So in, in today's football, in 2019 going into 2020, you have to have a coach with the style and flair of James Franklin just like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, you needed a coach like Joe Paterno. The times dictate that a James Franklin has to be the kind of coach that you need at these times. And this actually leads me into this next question a little bit, because James Franklin's new contract and uh, the Big Ten commissioner leaving, he made the comment the other day about expansion of the playoffs. Is that something that... Is that conference-wide, or is that more of Ohio State? Is that more of the upper echelon of the Big Ten? Um, I think it's just everybody looking at it and seeing, you know, every year Clemson's in. Uh, every year it seems Oklahoma's in. For the most part, Alabama's always been in. You notice the Pac-12, for example, has only been in twice the entire time. One thing that eight would do, especially with automatic bids, it would spread the wealth across the country. Because, again, this will be a year where the furthest west that any team is in the playoff is Oklahoma. After that, there's no team west of, of Norman, Oklahoma, that's in the playoff. So I think they want to expand and give it a nationwide feel. And the only way to do that is to expand the playoff to eight. Now, when they'll do it, I don't know. But Mitch, you and I know here's the other key factor. You expand the playoffs, there's a very good possibility there is more money involved. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in the end, cash is king. Exactly. And, and that actually leads into this a little bit. Talking about the cash flow and everything of this program, talk about the new offensive coordinator and who do you think it's going to be? Because I've heard the budget for the coordinators at Penn State is pretty deep. Are they going to go out and get a young gun? Are they going to go out and get somebody that has proven and, and been around college football for a long time? Well, it's obviously been a spot where if you want to be a head coach, you get to be a head coach. You look at Joe Moorhead now at Mississippi 
favorite Kevani at Old Dominion. You know, being a, an offensive coordinator at Penn State has opened the door for other people to get head coaching jobs. And to be honest with you, the offensive coordinator under Bill O'Brien was Bill O'Brien. <laughs> and he's the head coach that he used to text. So, I mean, that, that's what it's led to. Uh, so this could be a great stepping stone to, obviously, a head coaching job. What James wants to do with it, I don't know yet. Uh, I, you know, I've seen some ideas how he might want to handle it, but I don't think I'm exactly sure yet. They literally just posted the job the other day, and at Penn State, you can't hire somebody until at least seven days after the posting, so they can't hire anybody yet. <laughs> You know, let's jump over to the Cotton Bowl before I get into two non-Cotton Bowl questions for you, and we'll wrap it up. What do you expect out of Penn State and their fan base traveling to a New Year's Six Bowl game? I think this is the first one under James Franklin, especially going to a bowl game like the Cotton Bowl. It's not your traditional Big Ten Rose Bowl. Are the fans excited? Are the players excited? And what do you expect out of this Nitty Lion team? Well, the players are excited. The fans, I think, are really into it because it's, someplace that Penn State has not gone since 1975. Uh, I, here's the other part, too. Let's not discount the Jerry World factor. There are a lot of people that want to go to this game because they want to go inside that stadium. And I think that's a big factor in this. I think the players, that's a big factor. When you're walking into AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, the home of the Dallas Cowboys, that does mean something to a lot of people. Uh, and I think, you know, for the players, you, know, you don't want that feeling you had after the Citrus Bowl last year. That's what you're trying to trying to avoid. So what do I expect? I expect this to be a fun game. I expect this to be a fun game, a wide-open game, an entertaining game. I think mean, it's exactly the kind of game uh, you're hoping for leading into the uh, two semifinals that will be followed after the game. Let's talk about, you've been doing this a long time at Penn State, and you know, we're going to close with these two questions. What is your favorite all-time Penn State football memory um, since your years of doing this? Well, see, when you get to be at the stage I am, Mitch, right, it has to be a group of them. It can't be one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when you're sitting there and you realize that you've had a chance, you know, because I was a part of the broadcast team in 1986 when they won the national championship, which is before you were born. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I, I've had a chance to broadcast history because I broadcast Joe Paterno's 324th to pass Fairby, and I broadcast his 400th the 409. Uh, I broadcast the longest BCS game ever, a triple overtime game in the Orange Bowl with, with Florida State. You do a couple of uh, Rose Bowls along the way, now a Cotton Bowl. I've had the chance uh, along the way with some incredible games with Ohio State, where Penn State was able to win in 2005 in an electric atmosphere at Beaver State with 110,000 people. The block uh, field goal that Grant Haley ran back for a touchdown against Ohio State in 2016, for goodness sakes, that, that, that won that game 24-21 in the stadium, just rocking to the point where Jack Ham looked over at me and he said, he said, are we okay up here? And I, just, I said, geez, Jack, I don't know. I'm an announcer, not an engineer. <laughs> so, you know, and you start looking at all those moments and you realize how fortunate you've been to be sitting in that chair and having these opportunities and these memories to 
work next to a Jack Hand, to work with a, a James Franklin, a Bill O'Brien, uh, and, a, and obviously a Joe Paterno. You're really fortunate to do these jobs. And, and there's not one moment, Mitch, there's not one moment that, you know, or a game that I do where I don't look out at some point during a commercial break and look around and think to myself how fortunate I am to do that. All these years later, I still feel that way. This leads into these last two questions, and, and, and I have to ask you this. What does Penn State mean to you? <laughs> what was it, that old joke? Uh, there's a comedian years ago named Roy Firestone. All right? And Roy Firestone had the ability to do impersonations, and he was doing an impersonation of Keith Jackson. And so he says, it. so... Keith Jackson, what does college football mean to you? And he says, oh, about $5 million contractually. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's not, but that's not what Penn State needs to be. It's not about the money. I think it's very important to do a job that you're passionate about. Uh, I always make sure that I give all the credit in the world to any opponent Penn State's playing because I think respect is really important. But Penn State has, you know, I graduated from here. I've been able to stay here. I've been able to have what I term my dream job, the job I've wanted since I was probably 10 years old. And I've been able to do that job and work around great people. And you find out that when you're doing this job, that you have a dream and a vision as to what you think it is or what you think it will be. And then you find out that once you start doing the job, it's even better than what you thought or dreamed of. And that's what it's meant to me, that it, it, the job exceeds expectations all the time. And it exceeds expectations because of the games. It exceeds expectations because of working with Jack Hamm. It exceeds expectations because of the coaches, because of the players, how well have been treated by the fans, how well have been treated by somebody like you, for example, which means a lot to me. Uh, and so, yeah, what does it mean to me? Uh, obviously, it means a lot. And uh, it, it, when you look around, there's 7 billion people in the world, and there are only a, about 100 college football announcers in the country. Well, at 7 billion and 100, <laughs> your, your odds are slim. You know, and, and, <laughs> and hearing you talk about that, being a young journalist, this leads me to this next one. And, and I do want to thank you for coming on, and, and this means a lot to me, just to be able to talk to you and, and to be able to learn from you and, and you know, now I'm going to be able to listen to you as well. But this leads me to this. Lastly, what is your advice for young sports journalists who want to get into the play-by-play business, who want to follow their dream and follow their passion and get into sports broadcasting and sports journalism? What would you tell those kids? I would tell them, and I would tell you, Mitch, obviously, I mean, this is one-to-one you and me talking right now. Uh, don't give up on it. It's very easy in this business sometimes to say, oh, man, I'm not making any headway. Uh, make sure that when you get to be 30 and 35, you have no regrets. In other words, that you gave it your best shot. You may find out that you end up being one of those individuals that's fortunate like me that ends up getting a job doing something like this. It all starts to me in college radio. Uh, every uh, university has a college radio station. Uh, while taking classes and getting a degree in broadcasting is great because it, you get a lot of great advice in a, in a classroom, you physically have to go out there and do it every single day. That's where college radio comes in, where you can go out, make your mistakes, 
learn from your mistakes, but also more importantly, find out what you're doing right. I, and build upon what you're doing right. When I teach a broadcasting class here at Penn State, the first thing I emphasize to the students in every single project is what they're doing right. Because confidence is a major factor in this. And if you can build confidence for a young broadcaster and let them build upon what they're doing right, then you can tweak the few things here and there that can make it better. Notice I didn't say what you're doing wrong, but tweaking what you can make it better, right? And then be yourself. Whether you're interviewing for a job, whether you're doing the broadcast on the air, be yourself, right? Don't try to uh, be somebody else. You know, you may listen to somebody else, and they may do something in such a way that fits you, and you can steal that. That's great. You say, boy, boy, that sounds really good. I like that. You know, that fits me. I could do it like that. Do it, right? You know, some of the best learning experiences are listening to somebody else do the job and saying, you know, that fits me. It's like, nah, I don't really like your style. It doesn't really fit me. You know, you can do that. And then the work ethic part. It takes a lot of preparation. I'm at every Penn State football practice. I'm at every Penn State basketball practice. I watch tape. Penn State's going to play Central Connecticut in basketball. Yes, I watched the Central Connecticut scout tape. All right? I've watched a lot of Memphis scout tape. Uh, I've made sure of it at every practice. Charts, information. I have charts in front of me. Mitch, I'll be honest with you. I might use just 1% of all the information I gathered for this bowl game. But you know what? The 1% changes every game. And you want to make sure you have every eventuality covered. So it's not just showing up on game day and getting it done. If there's that work ethic you need to do it on an everyday basis and the passion to do it on an everyday basis. And that's what you're talking about being a young person such as yourself, Mitch, that wants to get into this. I can tell you've got the passion. So you've already got half of this thing knocked out. You want to be good. You want to, to work hard to get it done. And that's why I think you're going to be a success. Mr. Jones, I, I greatly appreciate that. That Coming from you, that, that means the absolute world to me. And, and I greatly appreciate you. I greatly appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I'm definitely going to have you on closer you know, to maybe March Madness and, and have you on um, as, as much as possibly can because I – you, you gave me some of the best advice I could have ever had. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and good luck to Penn State in the Cotton Bowl, and I look forward to seeing you in Dallas. I look forward to seeing you too, Mitch, and anytime you want to talk, just give me a call. This has been the Mitch Davis Show. I want to thank Steve Jones, play-by-play guy for Penn State, for coming on the podcast today to preview the Cotton Bowl and much, much more on the podcast. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook page, The Mitch Davis Show. Shoot us an email at themitchdavisshow at AOL.com. Want to also thank our sponsors at SY Wilson, the historic Arlington Depot Square, for their continued support of the podcast. If you want to go out there and do all your holiday shopping, go out there. They've got all the Memphis and all the SEC needs and all the outdoor and tackle needs that you could possibly want there at S.L. Wilson on the historic Arlington Depot Square.